Well, thank you, Van, for leading us in song this evening. It's great to hear your voices ringing out as we sing together about the birth of Jesus together. Uh, we apologize for the technical difficulties with the lighter earlier. It seemed like that one had run out of flame. <clears throat> well, this evening, as we began our time together, uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5 and 9 to 14 were read for us. And tonight, just for a moment together this evening, I want us to meditate on verse 14 of John chapter 1 as we reflect on the birth of Jesus. I'll read it for us again. In John chapter 1, begin, in verse 14, John writes these words, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father. Full of grace and truth. This is God's Word. Now listen, every year at Christmas, there's all sorts of things that you can see, isn't there? Um, every year at Christmas, uh, the production companies in Hollywood aim to release blockbuster movies to draw you into the theaters so that you would go spend your hard-earned money and buy their popcorn and pay their admission to watch high-profile, high-paid actors and actresses on the screen as they release these movies. You can go see movies at Christmas. I went and saw one last weekend with some friends, um, one of those high-profile movies. At Christmas, you can go see Christmas lights displays. We did that a couple of days ago as a family. We went and drove down through Highland Park and Turtle Creek and saw all the lights. The, not only are there high-budget movies in the theaters, but there are high-budget light displays throughout neighborhoods, particularly in that section of Dallas. Right, so you can go see all the lights that have been set up to see. You can go and see family at Christmas. Uh, many of us maybe have plans. We may have family in town now. We may have family with us tonight. We may be traveling to see family after Christmas. There's all kinds of things that you can see every single Christmas. But this Christmas, I want you to know something, church, that there is nothing more important for you to see than what John sets before our eyes in John chapter 1, verse 14. Whenever he says, we have seen His glory. The glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word becoming flesh. John says, that's what I have beheld. He wants us to see what He has seen. And he takes 21 chapters to give us a glimpse. We're not going all 21 chapters. But he gives us 21 chapters to give us a glimpse of God's glory before our eyes. Because more than anything else this Christmas, that's what my heart needs. And more than anything else this Christmas, that's what your heart needs as well. A glimpse of the glory of God. And John says that we've seen it. The Word becoming flesh. The glory of the only Son from the Father. The glory of the One full of grace and truth. The glory of God dwelling among us. And so, I don't have any slides for you tonight. All I want to do is admonish you this evening from John chapter 1 to behold His glory this Christmas. To behold the glory of Jesus. Now the word glory, it literally means this. Something that's weighty or worthy in the Bible. It means something full of majesty and splendor. Something that is brilliant or radiant. It's bright and shining. And it's this last understanding that shows up often when the glory of God shows itself in the Bible. Two illustrations of that. First of all, in Exodus chapter 33, Moses asked God this really, really bold question. He says, Lord, show me your glory. I want to see you face to face. 
Please show me your glory. And in Exodus 33, verse 19, God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock and when my glory passes by I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back but my face shall not be seen and when Moses comes down from the mountain after seeing the backside glory of God the text tells us in Exodus that his face is lit up brilliantly and brightly for an unspecified period because some of what he's seen has impacted him in such a way that now he's radiating something that he was not before. And he has to wear a veil over his face. Or in Luke chapter 2, we read it earlier, Lindsay read it for us this evening, in, in verses 8 and 9, we're told that as the shepherds were tending to their flocks in the fields, that the angel of the Lord shows up before them. And whenever He shows up, it says the glory of the Lord shone around them. In other words, there's, the sky was lit up that night with the brilliance of God's glory. The same glory that Moses sees there on the backside of God on the mountain that would light up His face and make Him radiant. But here in John chapter 1, John says that we have beheld the glory of God that which Moses could not see when he asked to see it. God says, no, it will destroy you. And yet here where John says we've beheld it, we've seen it because in Jesus Christ, God has become flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is a very interesting word. John could have used all kinds of words when he he could have said he came to live among us or dwell among us. All kinds of different words in the Greek language. But the word that he uses here is the word tabernacled. Right? It's tabernacled. In other words, he set up his tent here among us and with us. So why does John, when he has all these other words that he could use, use that word in particular to describe what they've seen in Jesus. He must be using it for a reason, right? In Exodus 33, Moses again asked God to show him his glory. Then in Exodus 34, after Moses sees the backside of God, God gives Moses the law written on tablets of stone and Moses communicates the law of God to the people of God. Then in Exodus 35, God gives Moses, and Moses gives the people some instructions on how to construct what was called the tabernacle. It would be a portable temple that would go with them everywhere that Israel traveled on her journey after she was delivered from Egypt and before she crosses into the land of Palestine and the land of promise. It would be the place where sacrifices were offered. It would be the place where the presence and glory of God would dwell among His people, where priests would bring all, serve all their duties and the people would participate in the worship of God. Then in Exodus chapter 40, the last chapter of the book, in verse 34, we're told that whenever God shows up to inhabit the tabernacle, that a cloud hovers over it. And then the glory of God invades the tabernacle. It's concealed by that cloud as it comes there to inhabit this place that God had said for them to build where they would come and sacrifice and worship the Lord. 
Right? The, the glory was behind the cloud, concealed in a tent. It would one day reside in the temple, concealed behind a massive, thick curtain. And John says that Jesus came and He tabernacled here among us. He set up His tent in our midst, in our presence. You see, what's happening here is this, that John is wanting to communicate something very profound to you and I. He's wanting to say that what Moses longed to see, what was veiled behind in the tent of meeting, in the tabernacle, what was concealed behind the cloud whenever it hovered over that tent, what was hidden behind the curtain in the temple is now made manifest and is present in a little baby that has been born in Bethlehem. The very glory of God is in this child. In Jesus Christ, the full weight of God the Father is made known in His Son. Now listen, whenever I, when my kids were younger, okay, they're 14 and 10 now, respectively, but whenever they were younger, we used to get down on the floor in the living room and we would wrestle, okay? And we weren't wrestling, we were wrestling, all right? And so, I mean, they would, jump, they would climb up onto the couch and they would jump down on top of me. Okay, and they would try to ride me on the back, and one of them would try to grab my arms and pull, sweep him out from under me, right? And so we're doing all these moves on the floor, but inevitably, because I was a grown man, they're little kids, right? I, could, I could, could hold my own against them, no matter how dirty they were. <laughs> Don't know if I can do that anymore, but I, I, I could hold my own back then. So I would inevitably get them pinned down on the ground. But as I would pin them down, they would say, oh, you've got to count to three, you've got to count to three. And so I would bang the, but I'd put my, some of my weight, not all of my weight, right? Some of my weight, just some of my hundred and pounds on top of them. Why? Because it, at three years old or four years old, they could not bear the full weight of their father pressing down on their little bodies. It would crush them. And so I had to hold something back. But in Jesus, the full weight of the Father, the worth of the Father, the splendor and the brilliance and the radiance of God is revealed. That's what John is saying when he says we have beheld His glory. We've seen it with our own eyes. We've looked upon it. We've witnessed it. And doesn't it make sense that if that's what John is saying when he says we've beheld His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, the One who's full of grace and truth, that then He would take and He would, he would show us that. This is the introduction to His Gospel account. He would show us that throughout the rest of the 21 chapters. Time and time and time again. He would show us that Jesus is the Son of God. Time and time and time again. He would show us that He's full of grace and truth. And he does all of this to get to the end of the book in John chapter 20 to say this, that there's so many other things that Jesus did that if I recorded them all, the whole world, every library couldn't contain all the books that would be written about his life. But these things I have written so that you might believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and by believing upon Him have life in His name. 
That's where John's trying to go. That we believe on Jesus, he sets it up by saying, this is the glory of God come in flesh. Come in this baby, in this child. And then he's going to show us time and time again that indeed he is the Word made flesh. Like in John chapter 8, whenever Jesus, speaking to the Pharisees, says, listen, your father Abraham, he longed to see my day. Because, you know what, guys? He says, before Abraham was, I am. (laughs) You know what he's doing? He's going back to the book of Exodus again, and he's going to the meeting that Moses has with God at the burning bush, where God reveals Himself as I am who I am to Moses, and Jesus is taking that name for Himself in John chapter 8, saying before Abraham ever was, He doesn't say I was, I existed back then, He says I am, I am that God that spoke to Moses through the bush. The Word made flesh. He's the only Son of God. Over and over again in John's Gospel, like in John uh, chapter 1, it, but, but before, you get to the, before you get out of John chapter 1, you've got two people, John the Baptist and Nathaniel, declaring Jesus to be the Son of God. <laughs> Jesus says to Nathaniel, listen, hey, Nathaniel says, how do I know? He said, because before I called you, you were sitting under a tree. And Nathaniel goes, my Lord and my God, you must be the Son of God. And then in, 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 later on in John's Gospel, in John chapter 19, Whenever the Jews bring Jesus up before the Romans to have Him crucified, they come with a charge against Jesus. This man says that He is the Son of God. And we have laws against that. They call that blasphemy. So we need Him to be put to death. They couldn't do it. That's a charge they brought to Rome. He was blaspheming, calling Himself the Son of God. So essentially, listen, humanly speaking, in John's Gospel, what strung Jesus up to the cross was His revelation of His identity as the only Son of God. That's what brought Him to that place of immense suffering. Glories of the only Son from the Father. Full of grace and truth. The beginning of John chapter 8. Jesus has an encounter with a woman who's caught in adultery. And they come and they throw her before Jesus. And Jesus asks, what, what, what is the charge that you bring this woman before me with? And they reply, she's been caught in adultery. And the, the, the Moses says, right, the law says, she ought to be stoned, put to death. And Jesus says, mm, okay. <laughs> and so Jesus bends down several times and begins to write something in the dust. Now scholars debate all kinds of things about what he was writing. But the point is, he begins to bend down and he writes in the dust. And then he stands up and he looks at the people who are bringing the accusations against the woman. And he says, he who's without sin, let him take up the rock and bash her in the head the first time. Cast the first stone. And what happens? All those individuals drop their rocks and they walk off the stage of human history never to be heard from again. Here they come to condemn her and Jesus extends grace. And yet, when they leave, 
Jesus looks her in the eye and he says, woman, where are your accusers? And she says, they are gone. He says, neither do I accuse you or condemn you. Now, go and do whatever you would like. No, go and sin no more. He speaks truth into her life. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's what Christmas is about, church. It's not about presents and packages and bows and ribbons. It's not about seeing family. It's not about seeing lights. It's not about seeing movies. It's about seeing the one and only Son of God made flesh. The Word becoming flesh. The glory of God inhabiting our atmosphere. Becoming man. That glory being revealed throughout His life and in His death. That's why we come at Christmas to light these, in Advent to light these candles. The candle of hope. The candle of joy. The candle of love. The candle of light. The candle of peace. Celebrating the birth of this One who would usher in this new reign of all of these things. The glory is of the only Son of the Father. Full of grace and truth. And I tell you something tonight. That if this is true, then it means three things for you and I. First of all, if this is true, then it means that there is nothing that can keep Him from you. He crosses the space-time continuum to be, I don't know, to be born into human flesh. God in all of His and all of his infinitude, all of his infinites becomes finite, becomes cuttable, bleedable. And he does so for you and I. There's nothing that can keep him from you. So when you look back on your past, no matter what you see there, I want you to know that Jesus is ready to meet you right here with love and with peace and with joy and with hope and with light. Because if He can cross the boundaries between space and time to inhabit a human body and then be identified as the Son of God, a blasphemous charge by the Jews to be strung up on the cross and give His life as a ransom for many, then listen, there is nothing in your past that can keep Him from bestowing His grace on you. Second thing that it means is you have to ask yourself this question. If you've not crossed the line of faith, let me ask you, what's keeping you from Him? What's keeping you from Him? What's keeping you from crossing that line, placing your confidence in Christ? The one who revealed the glory of God to us. And he revealed it not by zapping us all with a lightning bolt. Which he could have done. But he revealed it. As a crucified son who was dripping. Because whenever they punctured him, what ran out was blood that was full of grace. And full of truth. Why would you not come to? A God like that. 
a Savior like that? The third question for those of you who have come to Him is this. What are you keeping from Him? What area of your life have you yet to yield to Him? So that the light of Christ might shine into those dark caverns of the heart that you believe no one can touch and no one can see. What are you keeping from Him? Nothing can keep Him from you. What's keeping you from Him? Yielding your life to Him. And then what are you keeping from Him that He's asking you to lay down tonight? Listen, tonight we're not going to do an altar call. Hey, we don't really do those here at Redeemer anyway. Um, but what I will say is that if you need to visit with someone about this God who showed His glory in, this, in the person of Jesus Christ, that if you go on the Redeemer website, RedeemerRC.com, there is a guest card on the homepage of our website. If you fill that out and check, you would like to be contacted by a pastor within the next two days, somebody will send you an email to set up an appointment to meet with you about that, those very things that you're wrestling with this evening. Now, John says this in his gospel account. I want to go ahead and invite the band to come back up. We're going to sing together here in a moment as we close the service. But John says this in his gospel account at the very beginning of the gospel. In John chapter 1 verse 4, it says, In Him, the Word that was made flesh, in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. Now, John picks that theme up elsewhere on the very lips of Jesus as well. Whenever he says in John chapter 8 verse 12, he says the religious leaders of his day, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In Him was what? Life, and the life that he brought, the life that he lived was the light of men showing the way of how we may be healed, of how we may be whole, of how he may guide our footsteps on the path of peace as was promised to do by the very Messiah. And then Jesus stands and he says, I am the light. If you come to me, you no longer walk in darkness. Elsewhere in the Bible, we're told on the very mouth of Jesus as well, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, listen, for those who yield themselves as citizens of my kingdom, you know what you are? You're the light of the world. Light of the world. Because the light that is in Christ Himself, in revealing the glory of God, whenever we come to see it and behold it and embrace it, you know what we become? We become like Moses. We become lit up with the glory of God. And we become lights that are radiating the light of God to the world. To those that we come in contact with. So every Christmas Eve, we celebrate that reality. And the lighting of the candles. You should have some in your hand right now. If you don't, there may be some left at the back at the kiosk. You can go grab one as we begin to sing tonight. 
But in a moment, the lights are going to begin to dim. I'm going to take this center candle, the Christ candle, the light candle. I'm going to begin to light these first rows. And they're going to turn and light those next to them. They're going to turn and light those behind them. And they're going to pass it along until the whole room is lit. As a reminder that the light that's come in Christ is not meant to be hidden under a bushel. But it's meant to be set on a stand. To give light to all who are in the house. Amen. Yeah, right? I love having kids in here. So tonight, let's celebrate that truth together as the band leads us in song. I'm going to pray and then begin to light the candles. Father, tonight we thank you for the glory of Christ. We thank you that whenever we behold him, We're not looking at any mere child. We're looking at a revelation of yourself through your Son. That when your Spirit overshadowed young Mary and caused conception in her womb and brought that pregnancy to term through labor, delivering in a most inhospitable place and laying that baby in a manger, in a feeding trough. And the angels appeared to the shepherds in the heavens, singing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth upon whom His favor rests. That when that took place in human history, that you were crossing the space-time barrier. That Jesus Christ, who was eternally existent with You from the beginning. That He had no beginning. That He was the agent through whom the world created. He was becoming a part of the world that He did create. And we beheld His glory as the only Son from the Father. The very claim that would lead to His crucifixion and death. We beheld His glory through the graciousness and truthfulness of His words and actions. We beheld His glory as what was hidden and concealed in the Old Testament is revealed in His full brilliance in the New. So tonight as we behold that glory, as the most important thing we could see this Christmas. May it shine upon us in a way that when we come down from the mountain, our face is radiant as well. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.